we are used to say to our patients, uh, well, it's an uncommon complication, more or less one out of every 200 or 300 cases, but probably that's not correct. It's, it's higher. Welcome to Mixed Front Page, the official podcast for the Journal of Minimally Invasive Gynecologic Surgery. Listen in as we discuss the latest and greatest JMIG articles focusing on the cutting-edge research in the field of gynecologic surgery. I'm your host, Peter Movilla, coming to you from the University of Kentucky College of Medicine. Today we'll be discussing the paper entitled, Incidence and Prevention of Vaginal Cuff Dehiscence Following Laparoscopic and Robotic Hysterectomy, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. We're fortunate to have with us today the first author of the paper, Professor Stefano Uccella, from the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Verona in Italy. In this review paper, the authors concluded that there was a paucity of high-quality evidence evaluating vaginal cuff dehiscence, and that based on current literature, there were only two effective strategies for preventing this complication, which included the use of barb suture and the adoption of a laparoscopic approach to closing the vaginal cuff. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your kind invitation, Peter. Oh, it's our honor to have you. Um, you know, it's not often we get guests from international venues, and the fact that you're doing this from across the world is amazing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, just to start, I always ask everybody, what was your motivation to do this study? You know that vaginal cuff day sense, uh, more in general, any type of vaginal cuff complication is a very big problem after laparoscopic or robotic hysterectomy. And... Uh, these type of complications have the potential to have a serious impact on post-operative outcomes of these patients. Uh, and we know that vaginal cuff distance has significantly increased since the early 1990s, uh, parallel to the wide introduction and implementation of uh, minimally invasive laparoscopic and robotic surgery. This huge increase has not been followed by an adequate rethinking of scientific evidence. So we felt it was the time uh, to perform a, a systematic review on this point and a meta-analysis of the available literature uh, to identify the incidence and possible strategies to prevent this type of complication after endoscopic hysterectomy. Well, there can't be a better reason than that. Thank you for sharing. So how many studies did you ultimately include in your systematic review and meta-analysis, and how many patients did that include? Oh, well, we, we screened a total of 460 articles from several databases, uh, and finally we ended up uh, in 20 studies. Uh, six of them were randomized, two were prospective studies, and 12 retrospective series for a total of uh, 19,392 patients. That is a really good end for any study, for sure. And I found your interesting results. And could you just kind of summarize them for our audience in terms of what was the current rate of vaginal cuff dehiscence for both laparoscopic and robotic? And if you could kindly comment on the difference between your analysis for retrospective studies and then those prospective RCTs where you found a little bit of a difference? Yes, we, we, find, we found a lot of a difference <clears throat> when we scrutinized randomized trials, and the retrospective series. Well, uh, I think uh, that the main reason for this difference is the fact that uh, randomized trials, the six randomized trials, were specifically designed to answer and to address uh, this question, the question about this complication, uh, with specific forms and, uh, of course, an adequate follow-up. What we found out is that uh, the rate of vaginal cuff descents 
when you uh, take into consideration only retrospective series is approximately um, 0.35% of all the uh, endoscopic hysterectomies. When you look at randomized trials, this rate, uh, this incidence, uh, rises up to 1.78%. This is a huge difference. Definitely. And uh, again, uh, I think the, the answer is that uh, retrospective studies have, of course, reporting bias. They have, yes, they have. They can have missed some cases. Uh, they can have problems with uh, follow-up, or some of the cases of VCD may have been diagnosed at an outside institution. That makes sense. So maybe it's a little bit higher of an incidence than we report when we talk to our patients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are used to say to our patients, uh, "Well, it's an uncommon complication." more or less one out of every 200 or 300 cases. But probably that's not correct. It's, it's higher. Definitely. Did you find any difference between laparoscopy and robotics? Or yes. Straight? Yes. Uh, well, this study was not specifically designed to answer this question, but there is a lot uh, of evidence, a body of literature on this point. Uh, robotic hysterectomies have a higher incidence of vaginal calf cases compared to laparoscopic hysterectomies and all the other rules of hysterectomy. Uh, if you want a kind of uh, comparison between robotic and laparoscopic hysterectomy, it's uh, three uh, day sense in robotic hysterectomies out of every one uh, laparoscopic vaginal uh, cavity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, three times higher in robotic. Gotcha. So from your analysis, what are some commonly taught ideas about preventing vaginal cough dehiscence that you thought were evidence-based from your review? Well, this is a, a great question uh, because I think it's the focus uh, of this article. Uh, but please let me give you a premise. Uh, we do a lot of steps, a lot of things during our surgeries we try to make a lot of strategies to prevent complications which are just based on our opinion and not supported by evidence. Uh, and this is a typical example. Uh, vaginal calf dehiscence is a typical example. So one idea to prevent vaginal calf dehiscence was to use the energy sparingly. But really, is there any evidence of that? on that? No, there isn't. No evidence at all. Uh, well, I'm not saying that uh, we should use energy uh, how much as we want, but uh, I'm just saying that we do not have any evidence yet on this. But the second idea is to try to perform reinforced sutures or double layer closure of the cuff. Well, again, uh, the evidence on this is not completely absent, is very sparse, but the only two studies. Uh, investigating this point, uh, do not say anything about this. I mean, they uh, do not find any difference between reinforced double layer sutures or common type uh, single layer simple sutures. The third idea is, uh, and we all do uh, this kind of counseling to our patients, is to postpone the resumption of coital activity. Well, this is based on, I think, on the observation that the majority of vaginal calf 
is uh, occurs after coitus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have to remember that really many, many, many vaginal calf dehiscences occur in the absence of any trigger event. In any case, it seems logical that vaginal intercourses uh, may stress, may overstress the suture and the healing of the vaginal calf. So I think that an advice of a period of avoidance, vaginal intercourses is quite logical. Again, another idea is the use of barbed sutures. Peculiarity of barbed sutures is that they distribute tension of the forces all over the closure of the vaginal cuff, thanks to the self-anchoring barbs. Uh, well, actually, we registered uh, 1,108 cases of barbed closures uh, in our review, compared with 1,097 non-barbed closures, finding a 75% significant decrease wow. of vaginal descents in the barbed sutures. That, that, that's, that's amazing. That's yeah. really good. <laughs> that's I'm going to make sure I use barbed sutures every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, uh, we have to remember that uh, this type of evidence is, uh, is, is low. It's a low-grade evidence. Yeah. We have to be cautious on this because this evidence comes mainly from retrospective trials okay. with all the possible biases that we know. And uh, because we excluded study, studies uh, enrolling uh, malignant cases, so we mm-hmm. cannot generalize uh, we cannot generalize these findings. And there is another point. There is another, I think, another important point. If we exclude all the robotic cases from the series that we took into consideration in our review, this reduction decreases to 62%. And that's okay, it's still impressive. Yeah. But the difference is not significant anymore. So I think you, you, may, ask, you may ask uh, why. Why this loss of significance? And, uh, well, uh, I, think, uh, I think that uh, still our data um, support the use of barbed sutures. Uh, but again, um, but we can discuss it later. Uh, it's a problem of statistical power, but we can discuss it later. Fair enough. The, uh, the last possibility uh, is the use of different approaches uh, to close the vaginal cuff. Uh, there are two main approaches. One is transvaginal approach, and the other is a completely endoscopic approach. Uh, and opposite. Uh, to what we thought before, the evidence on this is really in favor of a laparoscopic approach or uh, an endoscopic approach. And we have a level one evidence coming from a very uh, large single randomized trial, which included more than 1,400 patients. Uh, and this study was just on laparoscopic uh, hysterectomy, not on robotic hysterectomy. So we can generalize this to robotics. Uh, but this study found that vaginal calf descents and all the other vaginal calf complications are significantly reduced uh, to less uh, than a half if a laparoscopic approach is adopted. Uh, so this is uh, strong evidence. 
Again, I do not think we have definitive answers on this. Further confirmatory studies are needed, but uh, this is the strongest evidence that we find, found, that, and it's in favor of a laparoscopic approach. No, I definitely close my hysterectomies laparoscopically as well. And I, I obviously loved uh, reading about this <laughs> because some yeah. argue that the vaginal cuff closure after vaginal hysterectomy might be um, better from prior retrospective studies. So this was definitely something I thought would be great to investigate further. Yes, yes, yes. And all the laparoscopic surgeons were really, really happy and really proud of this. <laughs> and uh, finally, the, the last point that I would like to, to say about the strategies and the ideas regarding uh, the action of vaginal cavitations is the training. Training can reduce incidence of VCD. Again, we do not have any study specifically designed to answer this question, but my, my message is uh, that we should strongly support training in suturing uh, the vaginal cuff to reduce the rate of vaginal cuff dacence. So I can tell you training, training, and training. <laughs> that makes sense to me, honestly. I obviously did a fellowship here in the States uh, for two years just to get some more training because I wanted to feel comfortable in what I can offer my patients. Well, you know what? Yes, yes, yes. yes. This is the message for, for all the audience, for all the, the young uh, doctors that start their practice. Right, definitely. Well, you know, now that you're kind of the expert, I would say, in the world based on this systematic review that I read on vaginal cuff distance. <laughs> yes. What do you think the evidence supports in your expert opinion of how to close the cuff after a hysterectomy that's being performed? Like, what do you do? Uh, well, what I do, uh, I follow these rules that we found in, uh, in this review. Uh, of course, uh, we have very, very few tricks uh, that we can use, but I would like to make three, uh, three strong points. One is uh, that, uh, first, the evidence to prevent vaginal cuff dacence is scarce, so we need further studies. This is not what I do, but it's a message that I would like to tell everybody. The second is uh, that um, probably if you close the vagina laparoscopically or at the end of an endoscopic surgery, uh, we should take into consideration the use of barbed sutures. I do not use them very commonly, but uh, uh, there is something that is uh, inside this point and we should still uh, investigate this point. What I do really is to close uh, the calf intracorporeally uh, at the end of the hysterectomy mm -hmm. uh, by laparoscopic approach, an entire laparoscopic approach. I advice to resume coital activity at least one month and a half uh, after uh, the performance of the hysterectomy. And I do not follow any specific protocol to perform post-operative visits or calf examinations. Uh, I only advise to perform um, vaginal examinations, vaginal visits, only based on clinical uh, judgment because we should avoid unnecessary vaginal explorations. That is very fair, and actually, one of my colleagues had a poster at AEGL on that topic itself, so definitely some great advice. I just want to thank you one more time for taking the time out of your busy day to you know, share your thoughts on your paper and enlighten our audiences on this you know, very important topic in minimally invasive gynecologic surgery. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Hope you have a good day. You too. I'm Peter Movilla, and thank you again for joining us on Mix Front Page, the official JMIG podcast. Make sure to check out the full article from today's podcast at jmig.org. Till next time, keep on reading. <laughs>